Well, hello, everybody. We are back for episode two of the Disorganized Religion podcast. And we did so great the first time, we have already expanded to take over the entirety of Eric's office. So I now get to sit at his desk. Uh, he has to sit over in the little table over there on the side because I'm the pastor and I get preferential treatment that I don't deserve, but I get it anyway. So we are uh, excited to do this again. It was fun the first time. Going to be better and better and better as time goes on. Uh, I am thankful to be joined by my uh, partners in crime over there at the round table. Uh, I'm Eric Johnson, the Director of Adult uh, Education and Online Content. And I'm Deshaun Jones, a licentiate at Mount Olive AMA. The unlicentious licentiate. Yes. That's an awesome name for our... <laughs> <laughs> From now on, that's you're, you are the unlicentious licentiate. I like it. So friends, I still am not entirely sure about these two guys to see what they're made of. They did a pretty good job on the whole... Uh, on the whole Ikea names thing. Actually, they did a terrible job on I was that. Say, I say, did you catch the blitz? They did a terrible job on that. We got, one, we got one right out of ten. Yeah, that was pretty impressive. Um, we did end up learning the word blitznab, yes. which means lightning, which uh, I still want to get jerseys made of that. Uh, so we'll sell that merch when we uh, get even bigger and take over the whole top floor of this building. But we're not there yet. But I would, do, I would do want to see what these guys are made of a little bit more. So I'm going to tell you guys a couple stories. And these stories are the origin of some common phrases that we use today. So I'm going to tell you the story. See if you can tell me what expression comes from the story. Here's the first one. You may not know that Horace's gums recede with age, leading to longer teeth. A common way to ex- inspect a horse's worth was to check its mouth and so receiving a horse, uh, receiving a horse uh, might be a wonderful moment in someone's life, might be a great thing to, to give it as a gift or to receive yourself. Uh, but uh, this whole idea of knowing uh, a horse's value by looking at its teeth gives us what expression? You go first. Um, uh, out of the horse's mouth? Ooh. Mm. That's a good one. Good one, but no. I was going to go, uh, why so long in the tooth? Also wrong. <sighs> ah. Obviously, uh, you have more work to do, uh, but this is, uh, it would be offensive if you were to look a gift horse in the mouth. Um, mm. Okay. Okay. So that's a warm up. That doesn't count. How about this one? In the 17th century, Pubs over in England and Ireland would serve beer in either pints or quarts. If you were getting unruly after a while, after having, say, too many pints and quarts, obviously these are not Methodists. Right. <laughs> that uh, happens to me. They might be asked to leave the establishment or at least keep better track of how much they're drinking. So what expression do we have today that comes from the need to keep an eye on how much you're drinking if you live back in 17th century England. I'm not of legal age to drink, so I don't know. I'm drawing a blank on this one. <laughs> um, um, if you keep an eye on the number of drinks you're receiving, and they're served in pints and quarts, what should you be watching? I don't know, for gallons? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that could be a sign of a serious problem. 
That's right. Uh, yeah, I'm going to say know your limit, but I know that's not it. You are correct. That is not it. Um, when you keep an eye on your pints and quarts, you can also say that you are minding your... Oh, P's and Q's. P's and Q's. Wow. There you go. So, there you go. You're welcome. You learned something new today. Once again, on the always informative Disorganized Religion podcast. Well, yesterday, I got the privilege of preaching here at Heritage uh, on graduation Sunday. We had a collection of students that uh, have heroically braved pandemic life, have distance learned, have in person while wearing masks learned, have socially distanced learned, and uh, made it to the, uh, the end of their high school career. So we got to celebrate them yesterday. And so my tradition is always to preach a sermon that is just for the high school students, uh, high school seniors, and I just then invite everyone else who's there to listen. Uh, what they don't realize is that I ha- actually have chosen to write this sermon in a way that speaks to everyone, but uh, I say that anyway, just because... Kicks and giggles. Yes, thank you. Kicks and giggles. Your <laughs> K's and G's. Right. So uh, yesterday we uh, continued the sermon series on... Uh, on James versus Saul or Paul, and you know, two weeks ago looked at the uh, the way that they were opposed to each other before Saul came to Christ and became Paul, but now uh, we looked at their uh, interactions after coming to Christ, after Paul comes to Christ. So uh, you might think, well. Paul's come to Christ now. Everyone's going to get along and it's going to be great. Well, not so much. They actually continued to be at odds throughout their careers as leaders of the church. Uh, I shared uh, a couple things that Paul said in some of his letters about uh, James and the uh, Jewish Jerusalem church. He said that uh, he called out the way that James sent spies or he sent people to come and sort of clean up his teaching and preaching by reminding people to follow the, the Jewish law. You know, obviously, Paul is talking to, uh, to Gentiles. He is leading them to Christ without, uh, without requiring adherence to the Jewish law. And so, uh, you know, when, when, that's, uh, when that word gets back to James, he is obviously not pleased because he is the follower of his brother, who is the Jewish Messiah. Uh, they are uh, in Jerusalem, the epicenter of the Jewish faith. And uh, so the idea that this Jewish Messiah would come for Gentiles too was, uh, was shocking in itself. But the whole idea of just abandoning the Jewish faith to follow Jesus Christ seemed so wrong. Because Jesus was Jewish. He was zealous for the law, then the prophets. He knew the scriptures, preached the scriptures. He... Uh, was zealous for the temple. Remember, he cleaned out the people who were corruptly profiting off of people's worship. And uh, so he, uh, you know, so, and James remembers all this. He remembers the Jewishness of his brother, uh, Jesus Christ. And uh, so uh, he's not pleased to, see, to hear that Paul is tossing out the law. Uh, so guys, I want to bring you in on this one and chat a little bit uh, the debate between uh, Paul and James can perhaps be highlighted in two places in scriptures. Ephesians 8 and 8 uh, 
uh, verses 8 and 9, says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. So you're saved not by works. However, James 2.24 says, You see that a person is considered righteous by what they do, and not by faith alone. So the classic debate, faith versus works, as the way to be saved, uh, that is not a new debate. That has been going on for the whole the whole time. So uh, how would you guys... Uh, Let's do it. Let's make it this fun. Let's take a side. So, um, Eric, pick a side and argue that one. Well, I, I had James last week, so um, I think I'll take him again this week. I think there's a case. <laughs> I think there's a case to be made for for the fruits of the Holy Spirit being manifest within someone. So, when you um, accept Christ as your Lord and Savior. Um, it changes you, right? You become a new person, right? You're born again. Um, and a person that that has happened to, um, the way that they live their life and the way that they do things is going to change, right? So um, your works, your attitude, the ministries that you get involved with, um, the people that you interact with, um, you're going to do that differently than you did um, previously, before you came to Christ. And so when I think James talks about your works, um, it's those things that, that manifest through you um, because the Holy Spirit is dwelling within you, that you've accepted Christ as your Savior, um, that um, is evidence of your, of your faith. So he's setting up the straw man, basically. Well, actually, it's not a straw man because they actually were, were, were out there. The person that says, doesn't matter what I do, I have faith in Christ, so therefore... Whatever I do is covered. Uh, James is obviously speaking <clears throat> against that. And, and I think that is taking Paul's message to the extreme, right? And so I think James is concerned about that when he says this. And I, th I think you're probably right. He's, he's concerned that people might uh, take it as just free license to be licentious and other, <laughs> other things. Right. Well, uh, Deshaun, how would you take uh, the other side of that? Well, um, you know, Paul was a faith-based uh, salvation and I think that having, you know, faith by grace, you know, faith is only by grace alone. I think that requires a knowing of oneself. And I think Paul was quite conscious of who he was as one who had persecuted the church, as one who was, um, as he said in 1 Corinthians, unworthy to be an apostle because, you know, he persecuted the church. He says, by the grace of God, I am what I am. And God's grace was, uh, to me was not without effect. So I think, um, you know, salvation by grace through faith alone um, is just really being conscious of my own sin, my own unworthiness. Um, and so I can't base my faith on, you know, works or things I do. It's, it's got to be something outside of me. It's got to be God's grace working in me to kind of save me and transform me. It's interesting to think about what, uh, what it does to a follower of Jesus Christ when you don't think you're saved by grace, but that you actually deserve it. Mm. Where does that, where does that take your discipleship? If you actually believe, or if, if you're not totally humbly approaching this from a standpoint of I'm only here because of the grace of God. I, I think, I think James and Paul might not be as far apart as we 
think. Yeah. So if if you if you we tend to interchange a couple of words there that I don't think mean the same thing. So faith. You keep saying this word, but I don't think it means what you think it means. Right. <laughs> um, or, or that we use them interchangeably and we really shouldn't. So um, faith and salvation. Yeah. Right. Hmm. And I, so um, I, I think we're saved by grace alone, um, meaning that w- once we accept Christ into our hearts, you know, we're uh, we're reborn, we're renewed, we're part of the new covenant. Um, we're saved in that uh, in that regard, um, but I think our faith, our level of faith, continues to grow from that point on. Um, and then that, as your faith grows, your works begin to mirror that, right? And so, as you grow in Christ, um, the way that you act and interact and uh, and do things begins to grow as well. So they may we may not be as far apart as or as we make out James and Paul to be in this case. I don't know. I would say. I would, I would add the word hopefully to what you said, um, because I do think that there is real danger in us believing that we deserve some credit here, right? Um, I mean, how easy is it for me to sit in church on Sunday and hear a sermon and think, hmm, I know who needs to hear that. <laughs> it's not me. <laughs> I, know someone, I know someone else who needs to hear that, right? Uh, it's. I think it's very easy to have... Um, you know, yeah, I, I think that, that this kind of, and I, perhaps there is the straw man in this, right? Where James is sort of setting up a, like an absurd character that thinks I can do whatever I want to because of Jesus, right? That, that isn't really what he, what, what anyone, anyone would say, about. right? Yeah. That's not what anyone would say about themselves. Uh, but I think it creeps in, yeah. right? And so I think you need both these voices to, to identify when, you know, ah, I am pretty good has crept in, right? When, you know, I, I think I have read the whole Bible now and I think I, you know, I think I've been on, I've been in some committees and I've, I've gone on a mission trip or two and, uh, you know, I, I give, I serve, I volunteer, I, you know, and we can be, begin to build our resume and we can think, yeah, I've, you know, I've attained, I've, I've attained something here that, uh, and we can sort of lose sight of how the only reason that God has anything to do with me is because he is graceful and merciful and loving yeah. towards me. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think both those voices are, are really important. You, you and I think James and Paul would have agreed with that statement. Right. And I and I think there's there's plenty of other writings from Paul in which he he definitely does not espouse the the theory of once you're saved you can do whatever you want. Oh, definitely not. Theology, right? I mean, in Romans he he talks about you know being part of the world but but not being transformed by it. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know. I, to, to, to put Paul in that camp, I think, is, that, like you said, it's, it's pushing Paul and James to the extremes of the argument where I think they're probably a lot closer. Yeah, I, th- I think we also have the luxury of reading these two authors um, two th- after 2,000 years of theological work on them, mm. right? So I think today, I mean, consider, consider this, right? The, you know, James was considered the, the leader of the church yeah. by everyone. Right, he was the, the only person called Bishop of Bishops. <laughs> you know, he was he was the leader. James the Just. Even non Christians revered him. When the uh, when the Jewish revolt happens and the temple is destroyed in seventy A.D., a lot of people thought that was that was the result of of James being executed. <laughs> he was so good and loved by everyone that everybody thought that was just wrong that he was executed. And so so I feel like you know we. We have these two th- sort of 
parallel journeys of the Christian message, the one for those who are part of Judaism and those who are not. And, and you know, 70, by, by 75 AD, that Jewish version ha has been silenced. I mean, it, they were surrounded by the Roman Empire. They, they starved them out. They marched in, destroyed them all. Um, anyone who was left was scattered all over the place. And so the, the prevailing voice was, was Paul's voice. Yeah. And, and I mean, look at, you have how many books of the ball of the Bible by Paul and how many by James, yeah, right? <laughs> uh, the score is not even close. Um, but you know, who's to say that there wouldn't even be different understandings today had the Jewish version not have been in Jerusalem when the Roman empire came down on it and destroyed everyone and everything in Jerusalem. Yeah. I, it reminds me, I find it interesting every once in a while, I'll, I'll run across someone who, who, uh, describes themselves as a messianic Jew, mm -hmm. believes in Christ, but was born Jewish, raised in the Jewish faith, but has come to believe in, in Christ. And so still holds on to a lot of the Jewish traditions and follows the Jewish customs, but also believes in, but you're right. That's such a minority that when you, right. when you meet someone like that, it's like, wow, wow. that's kind of, that's kind of cool. <laughs> tell me unusual. more about, tell right. me more about that. You know, it makes me very interested in. At in, first, in, that's all there was. Yeah. Yeah, that's all there was at first. Yeah, and then and um, then Paul comes along. Um, you know, I, I feel like the yeah the thing that's lost is the the argument by Paul. I think you're right. I think there's two different arguments he's making. The first one is that it does matter how you live. Mm -hmm. um, he doesn't connect that to you know. I think he he wants to make sure people remain humble and do not see themselves more highly than they ought, as he says. I think in Philippians. Um, you know, he, but at the same time, he is on guard against those voices that are saying, you have to be Jewish to be a Christian. And that isn't something that we really struggle with anymore, you know, but it was a big deal to him. And he, and it's, it, it's true. James did send people to clean up after him, right? Into these churches where Paul had gone uh, and Paul didn't like that and called it out um, when Peter was inconsistent and in what he said about, you know, being Jewish to be a Christian or not being Jewish to be a Christian, Paul called him out. So yeah, so I think I think he was trying to take away this impediment to the Gentiles to coming to Christ. Yeah, um, you know, any adult who's told you have to be circumcised, that'd be an impediment. I get that. <laughs> <you know? laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so I think yeah, there there is it's important to distinguish those two things. The, the Paul's disagreement with any idea that there was a necessity of obeying the Jewish law. Um, but he still, he still obviously cared about how you lived. Yeah. <laughs> and there's, yeah there's... Well, and, and Paul still, um, in his writings, right. He, he said he would do anything. He would become anyone that he needed to become in order to bring someone to Christ. Hmm. Right. Yeah. So he, he was willing to do anything that it, that it would take to bring someone to Christ, even changing who he was. If, if that, if that was going to bring you to Christ, I'm willing to change who I am and be someone different. So, you yeah. know, he was one, he was, he was sold out to be an evangelist. It's true. The Acts 22 story where he goes back to Jerusalem again and James tells him, you need to go through this purification, right? The, the Nazarite vow where you shave your head. And he actually then told him also, you should sponsor these other four people who are also going through it <laughs> so that everyone knows you're on the side of the Jews, right? He, this was going to show everyone, look, I'm, I'm one of you. I'm, you know, I'm with you because there was this unrest, about what Paul was saying and how he was seemingly disparaging the Jewish faith 
Um, and so, uh, so he comes back and James says, yeah, why don't you do these couple things? And he, and you're absolutely right. He's like, yeah, I'll, I'll do it. If that advances the cause of Christ, I will be, do the Nazarite vow and, you know, and sponsor others to do it as well. Um, but obviously what, he gets caught and people. <laughs> wouldn't that be something if, if we followed that example, like we were willing to do whatever it took. Yeah. Can you imagine? To bring someone to Christ. You're meddling now, man. <laughs> meddling now. Um, yeah, I think, I think the, uh, um, the, the temptation to have people or to want people to be like, like me, <laughs> become, become Christians. You can become more like me. That's a tempting. Yeah. Yeah. I talked yeah. about that uh, yesterday in our sermon at Mamala, um, you know, Pentecost Sunday. So uh, we were in Acts 2 and I, I talked about how the work of the Holy Spirit can use our dis- our differences um, to unify us rather than to, I guess, assimilate us into one specific kind of mold. Um, and I, I did think about this Paul James debate that we had last week, um, how they had differences in thought, differences in, you know, nuanced beliefs. I said, but the thing that was still unifying them was the gospel. It was the good news. Um, you know, I talked to Mount Olive about how, you know, we have that same sentiment, whether we are on different sides of the political aisle, uh, wherever we are, it's the life-changing message of the gospel, and it's the transforming work of the Holy Spirit that has to be what unites us and what brings us together, even through nuance, difference, whatever it might be. Um, that That's how God gets glorified. That's how people get saved. Yeah. And so, yeah. Good stuff. I think one of the things that often that adds another layer to this that gives us, that raises our anxiety is... Um, is the whole idea of how, how are you saved, right? Mm. Um, and I think that, unfortunately, we have connected being saved with going to heaven when you die. Yeah. And that that's, the, that's yeah. the most important thing out there. That's what matters. Everything else is secondary, right? Um, you might, some, you know, theolo- theologies believe, uh, you know, this whole world's going to burn. doesn't even matter what happens here. This is a trial run. You know, it doesn't, doesn't matter. And, uh, I mean, there's none of that in, in the, in the writings of the, uh, of the, uh, apostles, uh, writings in the scripture, in the, in the new Testament, they, um, Jesus came and was invested in changing this world. Um, the, the whole idea of being saved to them was, are you, are you saved from this fallen world? Are you brought into the kingdom uh, are you saved from sin? You know, their conception of what the afterlife was even like is kind of un- in process at this point. You know, they, they, um, they're still not removed from the time when they would say when someone died, they were gathered to their fathers, right? Like the, it was more of like a place you go with everyone else who's died. Um, and the whole idea of, of hell as a, um, as a, as a bad place, uh, connecting it with Gehenna, which was the valley outside of Jerusalem where you dumped all the burning garbage, right? right? Which that, that sounds bad. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Constantly you know, on fire. Yeah. Right. And, and you, you, you dumped the people that had been crucified there. So yeah, naturally like the worst is right. to have your body not claimed. Went, right. right. And you're dumped in this valley. Um, so I, I get the metaphor, you know, totally get the metaphor. But, um, but I almost feel like that, like that fear of, you know, of not getting your salvation worked out before you hit by a bus, it creeps in and uh, really kind of keeps us from having the the presence of mind and the peace to just 
think about these things and talk about these things without feeling the pressure to solve it right now. Yeah. Um, uh, the, uh, the challenge for us is to not necessarily bring the questions that we have into the scriptures with us to get them answered, but to see what kinds of questions they were asking back then and how those questions and those answers uh, should be applied uh, to us today. Well, friends, thanks so much again for hanging out with us at the Disorganized Religion Podcast. We'll uh, do this again really soon. So I uh, want to say thanks to Eric and Deshaun for hanging out with me today. And we'll uh, continue to do these kinds of things here, there, and everywhere. So thanks again. Take care. Have a great day. See ya.